I mean, that, the camera, the camera. I mean, the camera's a great audience, but not like you. You look a lot better, particularly Terry. Yeah, all right. Well, we are in a new year, and you know what happens every new year. Every new year, without fail, there will be lists of resolutions, won't they? You just Google whatever year it is and lists of resolutions, and you're going to find a list of resolutions. And so I did. I was like, I wonder what 2021, what, what resolutions are people recommending for 2021? So I found Parade Magazine had 70-some ideas for 2021 resolutions. I just picked a few. I didn't even read the whole list. I wasn't going to do that. But here were enough to use for an introduction to the sermon. Here it is. Work out to feel good, not to be thinner. Stop gossiping. Give one compliment a day. Stop multitasking. I don't know why you're laughing. You're going to let that sit. All right. Call a friend instead of texting them. Yeah. Oh. I know we get so many so many responses. This is great. All right. Travel somewhere. Now I did this one I it was my favorite. Travel somewhere without posting about it on social media. Even recently there have been some events in the Yates household. For example, I'll tell you, since we're here, but I, I wanted to, I knew it was gonna garner all kinds of likes and comments and hearts, but I said just let's live here. Live in the moment. Let's not go live on Facebook. But we're making Christmas cookies. By we, I mean Tess. Tess is making Christmas cookies. And Micah gets up on a stool without any of us paying attention and starts to jam his finger into all the cookies. And so I got my camera out. I posed it perfect. You could see the holes in the cookies. Micah's face right there. I had the perfect comment, you know, description. It was going to get all of you to like it. And I thought, no, Jason, just enjoy the fact that your son ruined all of Tessa's cookies. And that's what I did. So what would it look like to travel somewhere and not post about it on Facebook? Man. Now, just know I have not picked up this resolution. I'm just, this is what Parade Magazine said. All right, those are some resolutions. But you know, every year we like we set out goals. Now, I'm typically not that kind of person. I usually don't set out a goal for the new year. I know myself so well, I'm not going to keep it. I might be real motivated in the first week and then it's gone. Or I don't even know which goal to pick. But I know this year I got one goal. Like I thought, well, if we had to do it, what would we do as a church? And a lot of churches across the country, probably around the world, they like pick a goal. They pick something they want to shoot for. Oftentimes, these are bigger churches, and they set out some type of um, goal related to their vision or their mission. And you know, from when we started our journey together, just a little less than two years ago, I really have one vision for our church. It's a vision that you've had before I ever got here, and that is to become the kind of people that naturally do the things Jesus would do. You want to be a Jesus-loving people to, to both God at the vertical, but also the horizontal, you love one another. And your history attests to that. And now I'm part of that history. And so what does it look like to set out a goal that ties to our vision of being a people who follow Jesus? Well, it's going to have to do something with Jesus. Well, here's my, here it is. It's going to be real creative. Get ready for it. Here's our 2021 goal for us here at East 10th. Move closer to Jesus in ordinary life. 
That means when you're in your bedroom, you're going to look more like Jesus. Something You're going to come closer to Jesus in your bedroom than at the end of the year than when you started the year. So if your fights break out with your spouse in the bedroom, by the end of the year, you should be cutting down on the percentages of fights you have in the bedroom. That's what this begins to look like. Sometimes we think Jesus is way up here. It's in the, he's up in the clouds somewhere. And we'll talk real big stuff about love God, love your neighbor. Well, I want our goal to be moving closer to Jesus where you live. Which is always where you move closer to Jesus. How do you move closer to Jesus somewhere where you're not? No, you will always move closer to Jesus or away from Him in your real life. So our goal is to move closer to Jesus in ordinary life. That's the goal. Now, when I start thinking about a goal like that, you know it begins to go through my mind. How do you motivate someone to do that? How do you drive someone? How do you encourage them? How do you inspire them to draw close to Jesus in their life? Well, I guess you could do it a number of ways. You could shame them into this kind of life. You could say you're a really bad person unless, and you just name whatever rule you want them to keep. If you want them to read the Bible more, then you tell them that they're a sinner unless they read the Bible every day. Something like that. Or you give them a big guilt trip. Churches across the world have traded in guilt and shame for centuries to get people to do stuff. Is that what you do? I mean, do I need to just give you one big guilt trip for 2021? Probably not. Probably won't work. Or do I need to like just make a long list of all the benefits of following Jesus? Just give you a list of things to do. Is that the way we motivate? No. Parade Magazine put out a list because it was the hot thing to do in December. No one cares about that list come January 15th, 16th, 17th, something like that. I mean, right there around the middle of the month, no one's really going to care about that list. So making a list is probably not the thing to do. So I start to think about this, this uh, way of motivation, and I wonder... Since we're talking about Jesus, and Jesus hasn't existed forever on earth. Now, I believe Jesus has existed forever, but I'm saying there was a moment in history where Jesus arrived, he died on a cross, he rose from the grave, and then that message went out. So I began to wonder, what was it that motivated people to come to Jesus? Here's what I'm wondering, if I had to say it as a question a little more precise. What did... What did the early Christians do to motivate people to move closer to Jesus? So when the first message of Jesus is going out, when the first followers of Jesus are, are growing and multiplying it, what is it about what they're doing that motivates people across the Roman Empire to move close to this Jesus, this Jewish Messiah? What is it? What are they doing? Did they walk around the Roman Empire with a long list of to-dos? Did they go around the Roman Empire telling people they're going to hell if they don't believe in the Jewish Messiah? Were they going around the Roman Empire just browbeating people with guilt and shame? Is that what they were, what, what were they doing? Because I imagine whatever they did was working. Because the message spread. People began to follow this Jesus. This Jewish prophet who died in Jerusalem and they say came back to life. So what was it? What did they do? Well, in the book of Acts, we have this record of the early church. We have this account of, of, of what was happening when this message was first going on. People were first following Jesus. And I'm, I'm thinking that's the place to, to look, to see what was, 
What was happening? What were they doing to motivate people to move closer to Jesus? And you know what we find? We find that rather than bringing a bunch of lists or guilt or shame, what they did is they brought a story. They told the story. They told the story of Jesus. They didn't create a formula. They didn't tell people they were sinners and a holy God was over here and there was a chasm in between and there was a cross that linked the two. They didn't set out a bullet point logic formula. They told a story. And when they told the story, something happened inside of people. The story began to shape and form them. You know this is how stories work. Just any good story. Anybody like horror movies? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to judge you. I don't watch horror movies because they scare me. I hope that's okay to say they scare me. Why would a horror story scare me? Because stories shape us. And when I see a story about demons and poltergeists and haunted houses, they do something to me. It's on a screen, but they do something. Stories form you. You ever cried at the end of a movie? You ever teared up? Why? Because stories form you. And what we're talking about is the story. The story that is going to, will, and forever will shape the world. And what, the, what happened is these early Christians went around telling this story. And that story had power and changed things. And so that's what I want to do. I want to tell the story. I want to explore how they told the story. And often when they told the story, they did it in their sermons. And so what we're going to do for quite a while is we're just going to look at the first sermons in the book of Acts. And we're going to learn how they told the story. And as we watch them and listen in, we will also receive that story. So here it is. Let's summarize it this way. For 2021, I want us to hear the story they told so that we, like the people that first heard it, may be motivated to move closer to Jesus. I want us to experience what they experience. And I'm, I'm, I, what I'm saying is the best way to experience what they experience is to listen to what they listen to. And so I want to hear their, that story so that I also can move closer to Jesus. I want that to be our story. And so that's what we'll do for a large part of this year. And so we're going to do a deep dive. We're going to do a deep dive into five sermons in the book of Acts and then three sum sermon summaries. So there are five major sermons in the book of Acts. And there are three times where Luke will record the summary of a sermon where he says, this is what was said. And it'll just be a few verses, but it's a summary of this larger message. We're going to look then at a total of eight. I may get real zealous at the end and pick up one more. I'll tell you about it way down the line. There's one more that you may call a sermon, but I'm not going to. There's a reason. But just know, some of you who know the book of Acts well, you may say, but there's not this one. If you say not that one, I'm going to say, I know, I already told you. I'm not going to tell you really what it is. Just know if you think you got me. No, you didn't. I got you. All right? Okay, here it is. Take a look. Here's the list. Here's the list. This is where we're going this year. How long? I have no idea. We'll take, we're gonna, it'll be just a long road trip. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. This is where Peter is at Pentecost first, literally first sermon ever preached. Then Peter in chapter 3, he preaches in Solomon's colonnade. And then in chapter 10, he, he preaches to Cornelius. It's going to be the first Gentile convert. 
And then in chapter 13, we'll make this transition to Paul, Paul in Poseidon, Antioch. And then in chapter 17, Paul preaches in Athens to a group of philosophers. We'll also look at those three sermon summaries. Here they are, right here. In Acts 4, Peter is in front of the Jerusalem leaders, and there's this summary of his message to them. Acts 14, Paul's in Lystra, and then in Acts 17, he's in Thessalonica. That's where we're going. Those eight sermons. We're calling them the first sermons. And why are we going to, why are we looking at the first sermons? Well, you know repetition's a good teacher, so one more time before we dig. Here it is. This is what we, I want to do. I want us to hear the story as told in the first sermons so that we're motivated to move closer to Jesus in ordinary life. That's the goal. That's where we're going this year. Every once in a while, we'll jump off the road. We'll have a maybe a, a, a small sermon series that will you know, deal with something in the season we're in. We'll do another giving series down the line and Thanksgiving around homecoming. We're going to do a sermon series related to church life. I want to look at things like what are deacons and elders and what is church membership? And let's look at our own history. We're going to do that in October. But for the most part, for 2021, it will be the first sermons. You'll be quite amazed, I imagine, at how deep we can dig in the first sermons. Maybe you're not since we did 46 weeks in the Gospel of Mark. We just may beat it in the first sermons. If you knew how much Old Testament is in the first sermons, I mean, I have two-thirds of the Bible unexplored. Surely we may get five years out of this. All right. Um, I don't know. I really don't know. We'll just take, take the journey together. All right. So let's, let's, let's then dig for the rest of the morning on, on one dimension of the first sermons. When the people heard the story, something happened. They were formed and they were shaped. And I want to say that, that, that we can say that because there's good grounds for, for the record of it actually happening. That is, that when the, the story went out, we see people did something. And what I want to do is I kind of want to take a quick tour through five scenes of when that actually happened. And so it's going to feel like you're walking through a cathedral. And I'm, I'm just telling you to hurry up, hurry up, sprint through sprint through the building, and all along the way you're seeing all of this beautiful architecture, the intricacy of the details, and I'm just, I'm prodding you along saying, move, move, move. You're not going to have any time to look at any of the details. That's kind of what this is going to feel like. Or maybe it's like we're, we're moving through a wonderful museum and you just want to take time to look at all the all the details, and I'm going to say, no, we keep moving. Or maybe it's like watching a movie and I just hit fast forward, and all you see is the images flying by. That's all we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a look, five quick scenes of what happened when the story was told, because I want us to understand why this matters. It matters because when we get hit with those sermons, with that story, something changes. That's the goal this year. I don't want us to come out of this year uh, the same. All right, let's start with Acts 2. We're going to start near the end of the sermon, first sermon, near the end. Paul, Peter ends it this way. He says this, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. There's four weeks right there. But that's the end of the sermon. And what happens when they get hit with this story of this Jesus? Well, here it is, verse 37. Here's what happens. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You hear that? 
the story did something and they said we need to act. And here's what happens next. Verse 38 through 41. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to that number that day. So the story, they, they tell the story The story changes them. And Peter says, here's what you do. And then 3,000 are baptized. I'm wondering how much action this baptistry is going to get this year. I'm just wondering. 3,000? Maybe? 25% of the town? Maybe we could do it? Maybe? Okay. All right. Something happened. People repented and were baptized. All right. Move on. Acts 3. Let's move to the next one. Verse 17 through 19 and verse 26, Peter right here says, Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled that he, what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come, come from the Lord. When God raised up his servant, he sent, them for, sent him first to you to be blessed by turning each of you from your wicked ways. You see the story there. God, something was happening. God did something. Now something else is happening. Well, that's just a good story. But this happens to be the story. At chapter 4, verse 4, we see what happened. Here's how Paul, uh, Luke records it. Many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The story gets told. The story changes them. It has power. And then they act and they come to Jesus. Let's go now, Acts 10. This is with the uh, first Gentile convert, Cornelius. Here's what we read near the end of Peter's sermon. We are witnesses of everything he did. In the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. Stay right there. Let's just stay right there. I want to make just a footnote. You see what didn't happen? Here, Peter didn't say anything about them. He told the story of Jesus. We're going to see it over and over and over again. There's no, there's no bulleted formula. There's no bulleted logic It's a story, and the story has power. Let's go to what happened next. Verse 44 through 48, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, the story's told. God moves, it shapes them, and they're baptized. I'm telling you, I'm not making this up. I'm just getting it from the Bible. I'm just wondering what's going to happen to this baptistry. I'm just wondering. Let's go to the next one. Acts 17, verse 3. Here he is in Thessalonica. This is the Apostle Paul. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on the three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead 
And here's the, here's the summary of the story. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. There's a lot of story there. So what happened? Next verse. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Paul tells the story. He tells the story of this Messiah. He goes back into the Old Testament and grabs the backstory to tell the story. And then they believe. They move closer to Jesus. Last one, Acts 17, 19-31. Paul's at the end of his sermon. He says, Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent. For He has set a date when He will judge the world with justice by the man He has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising Him from the dead. A lot of story there. He tells the story to a group of philosophers. Here's what happens. We read this, verse 32-34. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, now some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council, and some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarius, and a number of others. Paul went and told the story. Now, he told it in a particular way that they could grab the story. They had things they could anchor. They could, they could hook, their, hook uh, the things they already knew onto. He told it in a way they could understand, but he told the story. He told the story of Jesus, and then they believed. These are just five scenes. Five scenes, moments where the story is told and people move closer to Jesus. So when I have this goal of listening to the story as told in the first sermons, hearing the story as it was first formulated so that it would move us. Well, I have good grounds for believing that if we listen to the story as it was first told, it will do something to us in the 21st century. I have no doubt that we too will be changed. And it will make a difference in how you interact with people in your home or at the workplace or how you drive or how you don't anymore drive on someone's bumper. Those kind of things. Like, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. When you move closer to Jesus, something happens. All right. So, what application could we draw? Well, here it is. This is where I want to go. I told you long ago you'd see these. Uh, oh, no application. One of my favorite quotes. I got so excited. I need to read you this quote. I can't, I, I, maybe I shouldn't because the Holy Spirit's moving me somewhere else. But maybe it doesn't matter. The slide's here. Here it is. One of my favorite quotes, this is from a New Testament scholar, Scott McKnight, in a book called The King Jesus Gospel. An accessible, but very good book. And here's what he writes. Scott McKnight writes this about these first sermons. This is not a book about the first sermons. But I'm pulling this quote as applying to the first sermons. It is clear from Peter and Paul's own sermons that the framing story is not so much salvation as the story of Israel coming to completion in the story of Jesus. That story. And that story alone saves, or better yet, Jesus saves. And it is the telling of His story that prompts people to respond in faith, repentance, and baptism, and so be saved. This is from an Anglican, an Anglican scholar here, saying that when the story is told, something happens. And you see it all over the place in the book of Acts. Alright, now to some application. Here's where I want to go for the next few minutes. 
I want to ask this question. Are we moving towards Jesus or away from Him? If you and I are going to move, so if we're going to, if we're going to draw closer to Jesus, then we need to know where we're at. You wouldn't go to Raleigh if you didn't know where you were. You wouldn't, you wouldn't try to get directions to Raleigh if you didn't know where you were. That is, if you were in Roanoke Rapids, getting to Raleigh is going to be one way. If you're in Asheville, it'll be another. You have to know where you start, from where you start, in order to get where you want to go. So I kind of want to evaluate where are we to know where we might be going. And so I'm asking this question, where, where are you? Which direction are you moving right now? If you were driving to the beach and I said go to Raleigh, you'd have to turn around. That's kind of the way it works with our souls. Here it is. Here's, here's the way I want to imagine this. I want to imagine some circles. So when you're inside the circle, you are with Jesus. You're in relationship with Jesus. Well, this first image here represents those people who are outside of Jesus. They don't know Jesus. Now, they've heard about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. And they are running away. Now, I imagine that most of you are not in this situation where you are a, you, you do not know Jesus and you're running away from Him. Typically, people like that don't show up on a Sunday morning during COVID. Typically. Typically. I don't know. Terry was saying some things this morning that are making me wonder. <laughs> but, and if you would have heard George getting communion ready, y'all be praying. All right, so, I'm just joking, George. I knew it was actually Jenny. Okay, all right. She's not here. Mark's not here. I should really be picking on Mark. All right. So, so here's the point. I believe there may be people online watching at some point, or there really may be people show up in our presence, and honestly, there may be, you may be this person, I don't even know it, even though I joke. You are not in relationship with Jesus, and you're running from Him. My prayer is that when the, the story, you hear the story week after week after week, something's going to happen, and you're no longer going to be running away from Jesus, you're going to come to know Jesus. And one day we're going to see these waters of baptism moving with your body going down and coming back up out of the water. That's my prayer. Well, here's another example. Here's another thing. There are some that I know that, that, that they don't know Jesus yet, but they're very intrigued by Jesus. And they want to know more about Jesus. And my prayer then is that these people, whoever this might be, that they will hear the story of Jesus. And they will finally come to know Him. They will take the logical next step of the journey God has already been drawing them to. As they walk towards Jesus, finally something clicks. And they repent. And they go under the waters of baptism and they come up a new person. That's Maybe, maybe that can happen. That's my prayer. I think the story can do that. Alright, here's another one. Here's another example. There are some of us that are in relationship with Jesus and we are continuing to get closer to Jesus. And so my prayer is that the first sermons, hearing the story of Jesus, lays an even stronger foundation for following Jesus in ordinary life. So those things you still struggle with, they will continue to fade as you grow closer and closer to Jesus. Some of us are walking close with Jesus. And this series is going to propel you even closer. And then there's this last one. There's this last one. This may be the closest to any of us right now. Maybe you're in relationship with Jesus, but you feel like you're 
you're running away from Him, or at least walking at a steady pace. Or you just feel confused, or you don't know why life is still so hard, even though you follow Jesus. Maybe you follow Jesus intently, and yet you have outbursts of anger in your house, and you wonder, how can I have outbursts of anger if I'm a follower of Jesus? I thought I'm not supposed to be like that. And, and you just are drifting from Jesus. I think this hits a lot of us. And so my hope is that as we hear the story, it will draw us back to Jesus. Sometimes, the thing to do in the spiritual life is not to read the next big book or dig into thick theology. Sometimes, the thing to do is to hear the story again. Hear the story again. You know what a kid never gets tired of? I mean a real small kid. They never get tired of hearing Good Night Moon. You know the story, Good Night Moon? Where you tell the moon good night? Right? I don't know how many times I've read that story. Hundreds of times. You'd think that my kids would have got tired of it. Now, Ryan and Ethan, our older ones, they don't care. But Micah, we read that story a million times and he'll just, he'll just watch it over and over and over again. You know how many times parents, some parents have watched the movie Frozen? Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes it's not adding something new. It's replaying what you already know. And my hope is that by hearing the first sermons, those who are in relationship with Jesus, but they're drifting, that by pushing replay on the story, the story that brought you to Him, will do the exact same thing again all year. And it will draw you close to Jesus. Alright. Now, here's the next step. Probably my most bold in many months. Here it is. Let's go to the next one. I, it's just, I, I wondered if I should have cut that slide. Next step. Plan to be a regular church attender this year. That's, that's the next step. Make it your goal to attend church regularly. Now those who are online, not here in person, this applies to them as well. You show up online at 10 a.m. That's the goal. Now, I understand sometimes circumstances come up and you need to listen to the podcast or watch the service later in the week. But you commit to showing up and hearing the prayers of this people, the message from God's Word, and you taking communion, even if you have to do it at home. You commit to regular attendance. You know this works in every other part of life. Can you imagine taking a shower one drop at a time every few minutes? That does not work. Now, I did not try it. I'm just, by logic, I'm saying that does not work. You ever known an NFL fan, a true NFL fan, to miss the whole playoff season and skip the Super Bowl? I've never known one. Every NFL fan, every true NFL fan will watch the playoffs. And they will watch the Super Bowl. They won't miss a game. We need that kind of commitment. We need the commitment of an NFL fan. Now, you might think that's sad. But that's the kind of people we need to be. So if, we're gonna, if the story is going to change us, we actually need to sit and listen to the story. So be a regular church attender. My fear, it is not for our church necessarily. Please understand, this comment is not for East 10th, although it may have application. My fear 
and talking to many of my friends across the country, many of my friends who are leading churches, my fear is that COVID has instilled into some people the habit of staying home. Now, I don't mean like literally staying home. I mean skipping church. And it was already a struggle to get to church maybe once a month or every other month. And now with COVID, after almost not over nine months, it's now become a pretty easy habit to skip church. And you know what's being used as an excuse to skip church? Busy at home. COVID scary. I have no doubt there are a lot of people that are not coming to our church building because they are scared of COVID or they literally are at risk. I also believe there are people that aren't coming to our church building. And please understand, this means our church building. It could be any church building. Because it's become quite easy to use COVID as an excuse not to show up to church anymore. Why is this such a bold next step? Because I'm calling people out. If you are going everywhere else in the world and not taking precautions anywhere else in your world, then your body needs to be in a church building on Sunday morning. That feels a little uncomfortable because I know I'm stepping on toes. I don't know how many people are watching. They may have just jumped off and said, forget this. (laughs) My point, and the reason I'm a little long-winded, is that you and I can't take a shower one drop at a time. And we can't feel the power of a story unless we hear the story regularly. We need this. So make that connection. Show up. Show up. Show up online. I understand that's where a lot of people show up on the phone. Or everything else in your world is non-cautious to show up in a church. All right, let me pray. Father, we are praying for every kind of person this morning that would be hearing your word. And we pray you would draw them close to you. We will tell your son's story. That old, old story that still has power. And that will change us. So now we move into the year. We trust in your power.